0: Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. If you've forgotten, last episode, Brian and I were discussing Captain Marvel 31. And discussing it. And discussing it. And discussing it. We went on a bit, is what I'm trying to say. Even with editing out a bunch of the tangents, the episode I put out was still over an hour, and we were only up to page 11 by then. So, that means this episode is going to be... Part 2. I'm going to replay the synopsis first to refresh your memories, but just so you know, we are up to the part where Captain Marvel uses the negabands to short out the bioelectric field, holding himself and a few others captive. Okay, here we go. Captain Marvel 31. The Beginning of the End. Written, penciled, and colored by Jim Starlin. Inked by Al Milgram and Dan Green. lettered by Tom Orszewski. Edited by Roy Thomas with a cover by Jim Starlin and Mal Milgram. Cover date, March 1974. With a sale date of December 4th, 1973, and an original cover price of 20 cents. Captain Marvel and Moondragon arrive at Avengers Mansion and find Drax the Destroyer fighting four of the Avengers, Black Panther, Vision, Mantis, and Swordsman, who think that Drax is an invader. Marvel is able to stop the fight and has the Vision contact the rest of the team. Once Thor, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, and Iron Man are there, he tells them he has called them together due to the threat posed by Thanos. Using the Cosmic Cube, Thanos is able to watch this happening from Titan. He feels that calling the Avengers in now could cause him a problem for his plans, and decides he needs to remove those who know the most about him and could cause him problems. These people are Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Drax, and Moondragon. He will bring them to Titan to eliminate them as a threat along with his father mentor and brother Eros. Thanos then talks to his hooded companion, who has been with him this entire storyline. He reveals that the reason he has been doing all of this is because he is in love with her, even though she has never spoken to him, and he knows who she really is. To prove his love, he will give her the Earth. Back in Avengers Mansion, Marvel fills in the Avengers on his battles with Thanos. While he does so, Thanos kidnaps him and the other three, problem people, by teleporting them to Titan. Along with Mentor and Eros, they are kept in bioelectric fields that immobilize them. While they are helpless, Thanos monologues, and to show his power, he brings everyone safely out into space to show them the vast armada he has gathered to attack the Earth. And for more of this, wait a few episodes for when we cover Avengers 125. To then fully drain his opponents of all hope, he shows them his other prisoner, Kronos, the god of Titan. Brought back to Titan, Marvel is able to move just enough to bring his negabands together and switch places with Rick Jones. The energy released by this change causes a feedback that releases everyone. Everyone attacks Thanos, except for Mentor, who does not wish to fight his son, and commands Isaac to turn off the cosmic gyro, which keeps Titan in orbit and the moon spins off into space. The sudden change knocks everyone off balance enough for Marvel to kick the cube from Thanos' hand. In the fight for the cube, Thanos takes almost everyone out until Marvel stands against him but even he quickly falls. Only Moondragon is left and they engage in mind war, which she loses. All of his enemies defeated, Thanos then uses the cube to first put Titan back and then to apparently atomize himself, leaving everyone confused. That is until Marvel looks at the view screen and sees what has happened. Thanos has used the cube to turn himself into the universe. He is now Thanos, the God. Last episode, I forgot to put in where this issue was reprinted. So, since we got a part two here, I'm putting it in now. Captain Marvel 31 has been reprinted in The Life of Captain Marvel, number four, The Life of Captain Marvel, trade paperback, The Life and Death of Captain Marvel, trade paperback, Marvel Masterworks, Captain Marvel, volume three, Essential Captain Marvel, volume two, Avengers vs. Thanos, trade paperback, German, Die Official Marvel Comic Semlung from 2013, hardcover. If anyone out there speaks German or is from Germany, uh, can you just email me a voice memo or something? Tell me how to pronounce it? Pronounce it for me so I can copy you? I'd like to get that right, but I have no idea. Anyway, also has been reprinted in Guardians of the Galaxy Solo Classic Omnibus, hardcover, and digitally on comixology.com and marvel digital comics unlimited
1: it's time for some thrilling heroics a brand new podcast on two true freaks.com. keep flying a firefly podcast we aim to do the impossible cover every episode of josh whedon's science fiction space opera western and that makes us mighty we found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side, not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro, and last but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TutuFreaks.com for "Keep Flying," a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. So, kudos. by the way, kudos. Have, have you seen the new Voltron show? No, I have not. On Netflix. Because- I only get Netflix when there is a new Marvel series out, so I will not have Marvel. I will not have Netflix again until until Luke Cage debuts on September 30th.
0: If you get a chance when you do that, watch Voltron. I like that. I I
1: I I think I will. I think I will.
0: It was only like 11 or 12 episodes anyway.
1: I have to watch that and Stranger Things in addition to uh, Luke Cage, and I have to do it all in one month because that's all I get it for, and then I unsubscribe until the next Marvel series comes out. Understood that's how i that's how i roll with netflix but anyway yeah um,
0: anyway that
1: that is a great moment and i love the face off it so yeah my
0: only cool. issue is i like clang more than katang
1: but katang was i i i am remembering correctly katang has been pretty consistently the and, sound effect used for the Negaband.
0: and actually i just i was actually as soon as i said it my brain's going isn't clang the sound of quantum of woody made when they clanged exactly. their bands together not katang
1: Right, no, Katang is Captain Marvel here, Clang is Quantum and Woody, like to the point where the fact on, I believe it's the first of the new um, 2012 reboot, if you will, or whatever, Um, the first of the new Quantum and Woody trades, Um, World's Worst Superhero Team, I believe is the title, and it has the two of them touching the bands together, and Woody says, just says, Clang. Like just spoken in a dialogue balloon, and i yeah, like, yeah, priest did that too in the old one. Pretty hilarious, you know. Um, so now we're up, up to big fight scene. A supposedly big fight scene. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, panel one on page twelve is is is, is a little bit of a of a, of a pose down, <laughs> more yeah. than an actual fight. But what I do like here is that this this quick switch thing that uh, Rick and Cap have going on. It's like. Cap brings Rick back to uh this dimension. Like I I, I didn't read where that situation got set up, so I've never been entirely sure what terms to use, um negative zone and, and all that stuff with the Yeah, negative that's from um, the Score War. Okay. Right. So um, but they do. He, he does the clang and he brings Rick back and he immediately, like.
0: Oh, not clang. We, I, listen, we talked about this last time. That's I'm Quantum sorry. and Woody. It's Katang.
1: You're right. You're right. I, the Quantum and Woody thing was preying on my brain. I apologize. Katang. So we go Katang and, and, um, Quantum and, uh, Quantum and Woody. Oh my god. That okay. would have made this so much more <laughs> Yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been fantastic? So Nobody here we are awesome. in 1973 and the Avengers are fighting Thanos and Rick Jones. Clangs his negabands together, and who should show up but Quantum and Woody? And they're like, where the... Looking very confused. Where the fuck are we? Damn that goat. (laughs) That goat. Oh, man. But anyway... Um, just to finish up this lo- this this now badly belabored point, um, I just like that for all his his constant bitching, um, and it is constant about being stuck in the negative zone so much. Rick recognizes this situation for what it is and realizes he's got a vamoose. I'm right out, right quick. So yeah, he's just like, oh, okay, helped you out there, Cap. Um, it's nice to be back, and I'm out. Yeah. Katang, this is
0: not a place I want to be or <laughs> should be. So you know what. Yes. Pop back in you beat up the bad guy. Yeah. Not that it goes well because Thanos is basically overpowering all of
1: them without even trying. Yeah, that's that's this whole I mean, I've didn't got even a cosmic cue. hit them. He just is like go away. He's toying with them. I mean, really, and there's no other way to read this than that he's toying with them. Although I do like that a mentor uh for once sort of lives up to his reputation as This wise and very, very ancient being, and does sort of like keep himself off to the side and works his own mojo on Isaac and, well, basically like Titan as a whole,
0: I guess. No, yeah, although I kind of read it as like Mentor being a bit of a dick. Well, yeah, that too, but it's it's just that he's reluctant, because it's not like this is the only way he says, or, you know, he knows there's, you know, they cannot beat him through physical combat. Mm -hmm, He's -hmm. like, he's reluctant to face his son. Yeah, so basically he's going to condemn everyone who every survivor on Titan, because if it get see the later this issue or the next, there are other Titans imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm going to sentence everyone to death. I mean, there's one thing if there was the only way to defeat Thanos and it was all just like them on there, it's one thing, but he's like, "I don't want to fight my kid. I'll I let everyone else die?"
1: I, I, that, and that sort of thing really, really, really does drive me nuts. It makes me think of um, legends of tomorrow. Um, which have you watched? Yes. That so the, I I haven't quite finished the season yet. It's all well, still you know on my DVR. I think I have two one or two episodes left to go in the season. But the point is, is that the whole bit where they everything could have been resolved. The entire conflict could have been won, and the good guys could have emerged triumphant if um, Shara could have Sh- Shara no 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 um, Kendra could have just brought herself to. Kill the brainwashed, uh, 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 Carter. But it's like, no, no, she just couldn't do it. And now everything goes on for like longer and history gets fucked just that much more. And all because she couldn't like just do that one thing, you know, she couldn't bring herself to do it. And like that sort of thing drives me bonkers.
0: Yeah. Well, it's almost over and it'll be over. The season ends at least. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. definitely an ending to that season. Okay. You, get, you get an ending.
1: So yes. Mentor does his uh, mentor e yeah. thing. He
0: basically shuts off
1: the gyroscope yes, that now,
0: controls Titan. So I guess Titan actually... I wonder why it needs that.
1: Well, here's the thing. Because on the one hand, right, um, well, just... Another, uh, slight aside actually having to do with this. If you work in New York City long enough, try as you might, you will actually read that, um, that, that big, uh, page turn reveal and of this sequence as, uh, the result, the cosmic gyro stops.
0: <laughs> because, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, mmm, gyros. Yes, exactly. But, and the other thing that amuses me is this is for all that, you know, Stan and his weird, lack of understanding of magnetism and nuclear power and 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 transistors and basically any scientific concept that he mutilated and abused in the 1960s stands not around anymore you'd think that the science in marvel comics would suffer, would would enjoy some slight improvement in his absence but apparently not because here without the gyro Inside Titan, there's apparently zero gravitational force whatsoever exerted between the massive planet Saturn and the biggest moon in the solar system. There's, like, no gravity, no strong force, nothing going on there at all. So turn off that gyro, and Titan just goes spinning off into space for no apparent reason.
0: but I mean we have to remember of course back time that time period there it's not like these guys were science students I'm guessing. I mean No, no, no. I would assume people. this would be something that would have been known, but that's me knowing this it. Is, that doesn't this mean is, they know it. And it most of them were like, you said they were dropping acid, going home writing stuff, probably bring it in last minute to yeah. the artists and stuff. It's not like they were like, Let me check Wikipedia real quick, let me see what it says.
1: This is a stoner ex military who is It's four in the morning. I can't go to the library living.
0: I can't go to the library to look this up, that's good enough.
1: Yeah, exactly. So anyway, huh. Um But
0: speaking of New York, by the way, that first panel on the next page where the planet was flying, the second yeah. panel, it looks like they're all on the subway. Like they yeah, know. the train just stops short short.
1: Yeah. <laughs> then it's yeah. like,
0: oh crap, my handhold.
1: Yeah, no, they're all they're all strap hangers who have lost their grip. <laughs> it erupts and, and I just I just love this. It's like if there is no free Titan, then can there really be a Titan, and now we're back in that whole, this is a man who has conquered. This is a man who sees all, you know. If, if there's no free Titan, then can there really be a Titan? And, it, like, it, it, it's cool, in a way, because Starlin really does have a very distinctive voice, which is interesting to see here, given that prior to reading this, my belief had been that the first truly recognizable distinctive Voice in comics writing had been Claremont when he sort of found his stride on the X Men in the late 70s after he'd been on it for a, a little bit. Um, and apparently I was wrong. Apparently some years before that, Jim Starlin was putting forth quite the, um, Id- the, the, uh, idiosyncratic product.
0: Well, I would definitely put Stan Lee on, especially FF and, uh, Spider Man.
1: You think? You think? Because I think while Stan was an excellent writer and he, and, and one of the things that I have praised him for before, especially his dialogue, where when you read, uh, the Fantastic Four, like each of the characters has an individual voice of their own, but I do not know that the writing as a whole had a distinctive character the way Starlin's does here. Do you it's know what I'm saying? I
0: read some of them. I'm more thinking Spidey after Dicko left.
1: Okay. When I okay. think it was
0: either mostly Stan or at least Stan working with Romita as okay. opposed to mostly Dicko and Stan just putting something in.
1: Mhm.
0: Mhm. I'm thinking more like this, you know, that era of Spider-Man. Cuz to mm-hmm. me that seems very like it had a voice to it. But that could, it's been a while since I read those
1: issues so that could just be my memory of it. Mhm. Mhm. It could be it could be and you know I would have to go back and read that stuff.
0: Forget that. I would just say Stan in general cuz he definitely had a whole tone it just no, wasn't for a series. It was kind of for Marvel as a whole. But I mean, that's one of the things that definitely made. Besides the artwork, you know, you know, this Kirby and it was his word balloons and his writing. You know, his
1: his style. vision, really. No, you're absolutely right. In the Marvel Age of Comics, was very much part uh, was 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 in large part his doing. And the fact of the matter is, I guess I guess the reason I I, I I'm resistant to the notion is because when you read. Um, Fantastic, late mid to late 60s, Fantastic Four, and Thor, and Spider-Man. They're all good, but they don't really resemble each other, and that's in a way, that's a good thing. Stan had range. Stan had versatility. But at the same time, I guess that's why I'm kind of resistant to the notion of Stan having a distinctive style of his own. You, you see what I'm saying? Maybe not a
0: style, but he definitely had a voice.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll grant
0: you that. That might be a difference of the two, but you would definitely... It. You know, I mean, you definitely knew, even if you didn't, if the covers were ripped off and you didn't realize they were just different companies, like you were Mm -hmm. eight year old back then, and you're like, okay, here's Superman, here's Batman, now here's Fantastic Four, Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. you would be like,
0: okay, this is like, these two could have been written by similar people, Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. but
0: this one is definitely written by somebody else.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I would absolutely agree with that. There was such a strong, distinctive difference to what Marvel was doing at the time, absolutely. But um, anyway, um, so the other are... thing, other Sorry. thing I find interesting about uh, uh, Titans zooming off into the ether this way is uh, that. At first I read it, and I thought to myself, oh, Mentor, you clever bastard, you've done this to give the heroes a temporary advantage by disrupting the flow of the fight or whatever. And then the narration makes it clear, no, no, he's really in this whole nihilistic destroy Titan completely in order to destroy uh, Thanos deal. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of dark.
0: I was just thinking, I was just going to say before, it's like, you know, know, Mentor didn't want to fight his son, and it's like, you know, Mentor, I keep saying, he's never listening to me. Cause he, yeah, I know. Because it's just 40 years ago, and he's fictional. But besides right. that, he's not listening. Those, those like, are You really need to get a paternity yeah. test done. Because yeah. I don't think it's your son. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's your son. But then again, that'll. But that might. You know, maybe that's where Thanos gets it from, his dad. Because I mean, that like you said, that is a very nihilistic. We're just all gonna die. You know, and that's it. This will solve it all. We'll just all die together. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe that, maybe that is his son. <laughs> maybe Thanos gets it from daddy.
1: No, it it could be, it could be. And the nice thing about all this, this whole setup, is um, as we move on to page 14, um, in panel one, on page 14, is where Captain Marvel, being cosmically aware, was sort of the only one who sort of picked up on what was going on. So he prepared himself, and he was the only one in a position to take advantage of the situation by kicking the cosmic cube out of Thanos' hand. Because and Jim
0: Starlin had just created cosmic awareness, which means it could mean anything he wanted because he created it. So if cosmic no. awareness means seeing the future, then yeah, he can see the future.
1: It's cosmic aware. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is that panel there, panel one, is the first time. The first time that I can kinda sorta see that cosmic awareness as a legit superhero thing, a legit superpower that I kinda understand or can understand as a superhero comic reading, a uh, reader. Uh, and so I'll- So it did work for you in the con- when you fought the controller. I didn't didn't understand. I I, I really, as you will recall, if you go back and you listen to my gurning and and ranting in that episode, I was struggling to make sense of it and it never really did. Here, I can buy it. Here, I can sort of see where it is a thing that I can wrestle with as a reader.
0: Okay. And then, well, that's fine. And then, hey, that works. Like I said, I mean, he created Cosmic Awareness, basically. so, Mm -hmm. So if he wants it to be precognition, then yeah, it's precognition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's whatever the hell I want it to be. I made it up, but uh, and that next panel I love the the just
1: all red rage. Yes, yes, the rage of Thanos, the cube. The fool kicked it, the cube from my hand, and now it's, it's a giant game. Of, and now it's a giant game of keep away.
0: Yeah, except it's not really because it's it's a bunch of five year olds playing keep away with uh, really with a really mean twelve year old.
1: It really, really is. I mean, the panel four, where, where Thanos just kind of elbows Eros in the face. And uh, Iron Man. It's, it's such a playground sort of tactic, and yet it appears to work. But then we come to panel five, which I just adore. Because the 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 destroyer, perhaps the destroyer has the power, and then Thanos, oh my God, the snark is off the chart. Yeah. melodramatically announcing he has every intention before acting, and I'm like, wow, star Wars taking is, the piss out of himself. Right? Maybe that's a little bit of a joke, but that's definitely a kind of a anachronistic deconstruction, don't you think? Like that's not the sort of that's not the sort of self awareness you expect to see in comics in 1973.
0: Yeah, especially Um, since, I mean, the Destroyer is
1: his character. I mean, I think the only person who's written the Destroyer is Starlin at this point. Right, no, that's true. But then the other thing is, given what happens in the next panel, I don't know what to make of it then, because the fact that then Thanos melodramatically announces his intention before acting in panel six is... Well, plus the way he does it. Right, is it meant to be a furtherance of the joke, or is that actually... I think so. I think it's Thanos' sense
0: of humor. Thanos'
1: sense of humor is a little violent, but I think I kind of dig it. Well, yeah, it
0: is very violent. But, I mean, it's also, look at, it also comes into the blast. He shoots forward. Mm-hmm. It makes a 90-degree left turn. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then makes another 90-degree slight, you know, sort of right turn, then another 90-degree, no, sorry, left turn, then another right turn, and then loops around to hit mm-hmm. the Destroyer in the back.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, okay, we'll buy that somehow. <laughs> Decide. It is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the super friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hourman. that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mm -hmm. Mr. Mitzelfuzzle. Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. He doesn't remember. have the cosmic cube at this point, so can he make his blast do that with the cosmic cube? Oh,
0: remember, I mean, basically, what is he? He's the Marvel version of Dark Side, and Dark Dark Side didn't do that with his omega beams.
1: Um, that is
0: he blasts people those omega
1: beams. They shoot in all different
0: angles. Wherever you are, they come and get you.
1: I was pro- I was going to protest ignorance of Dark Side because I haven't seen that much of him. But that said, I knew that actually. I have seen him use his Omega beams in exactly that way. So you're right. You're right. And then um, page fifteen is fantastic. Oh yeah, they with, have with, the of Marvel Thanos fight with no with, panels. With no like panel, and like the border of the page is this sort of mechanical, um, scientific Gigaw looking thing, and it's ve- very cool, almost a Kirby esque kind of tweak there that I kind of like. Um, and the way there's like multiple images, it, it's very dynamic and it definitely conveys the kinetic energy of this fight, uh, going on. I'm a big fan of this page. I think it is.
0: I would love to own this page.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, and here's the thing, for all of his cosmic awareness, at the end of the day, it's still a fist fight. Yeah. So he's well, still, he's still basically, um, punching you know, punching, and yeah. hey, punching is good. Punching is a venerable superhero tradition, but... <laughs>
0: but yeah, I think we've without the cube, I mean, he should still be roughly at dark side levels, even without mm-hmm. the cube, because, like I said, without the cube, he just took out Eros, who's an Eternal, mm-hmm. or, well, I mean, at this point he wasn't an Eternal yet, he was a Titan, but still, he was one of the Titans, mm-hmm. and Iron Man, without trying, basically by shrugging, just offhandedly blasted the Destroyer down, and Marvel's fighting him, and Marvel's even saying, like, you know, I think I'm breaking my fingers by punching mm-hmm. him.
1: That's mm-hmm. true, that's true. It is definitely, um, Thanos is, at this point, might be the most powerful, I think, perhaps the only non- antagonist, the only villain or foe that has been presented in a Marvel comic up until this point with this kind of... Power and this kind of threat level is maybe Galactus.
0: Well, I was going to say, who's maybe not a cosmic being, which I would count right. Galactus as.
1: Right, so, exactly. So, like, he's
0: not Galactus, you know, besides Galactus or Eternity. I mean, he would definitely be at a level, I would say, now, I haven't read as much of Thor from, you know, early Silver Age, you know, the Silver Age mm-hmm. Marvel and early Bronze mm-hmm. Age Thor yet. Mm-hmm. But I would probably at least put him at, like, an Odin level.
1: Um, I don't know about... I don't know about that, The 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 Thor comics get a little get a little weird with the mythology because the fact of the matter is Odin is in he's often praised and 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 viewed and referred to as the All Father. So in some ways he's a he's a Zeus he's a creator sort of figure, but it being an uh, a, a fundamentally ancient pagan religion like the pantheons of the Greeks and Romans and whatnot, um, it isn't really an all powerful creator deity that he is so they sort of dance around this sort of god thing so half the time he's just a cranky old king and then half the time he's this astoundingly powerful being but frankly i have read um quite a bit of of silver age thor and um and i love it i love it once uh, stan and jack hit their stride with that one that might have been my favorite of the uh the holy Trinity of 60s Marvel, uh, Fantastic Four, Thor, and Spider-Man. But, um, having said all that, I don't know, given all that, I don't know that Thanos is quite up to Odin level. But again, that's as much due to how fast and loose um, Stan and Jack played with the mythology as to any um, measurable inherent power of Odin's that I could point to.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it'll, maybe it will depend on what day he was before
1: he needed his Odin sleep again. Yes, exactly. You know,
0: how many exactly. days till the Odin sleep? <laughs> At least seventeen more days till the Odin sleep. People.
1: Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Party starts okay. in eighteen.
1: But this is this. Um, I've just uh, turned the page onto page uh, sixteen, and oh, where I, Thanos takes out Marvel like the Hulk took out Loki and Avengers. Just. Like, he just body slams him. And the design of panel three, which is the body slam panel, where he just smacks Captain Marvel bodily to the ground, and the background is this angular foom that works with the tilted angle of the floor and the panel borders, and it's a, it's just, it's, it's striking, it's eye-catching, it's striking, and it's the sort of touch that I just adore.
0: Yeah, and I'll actually, now you say that, I'm looking at all these panels and stuff, and it, basically a lot of it, he's kind of playing with the fact that, like, the fights are chaotic and crazy, and people are moving around, so they're not always just straight up, I'm standing on the ground, and this is where the ground is, and this, you know, not everything is at the same positions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they're on angles, and they're on the side, because it's almost like the comic version of a, a handheld
1: movie. Yes, yes, for sure. Like documentary filmmaking, sort of deal.
0: Yeah, like Cloverfield Field or Blair Witch. Mm hmm. Because then, then, all of a sudden, once he beats him, those last two panels mm-hmm. are very much just straight up, you know, where they should be.
1: Right. They're, they're level. They're level. I do like Moondragon coming out of basically kind of nowhere and hitting him with the brain blast in her face. Fists are clenched, and she says to him, Prepare for Mind War. And you just know that if this had been filmed and this had been like on TV or something, the words mind war would have had this like really echoey like sort of sound processing on them. Oh, Prepare yeah. for mind, mind 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 war war war.
0: Well that next panel on the next to that first panel on the next page would have been like a five minute sequence taken out of two thousand mm-hmm.
1: the end of two thousand and one. Yes, yes. And And, oh my god, that panel drives me! Like that is like a
0: '70s bizarre Mm because they wouldn't have existed, but like a bizarre buddy cop movie. You know, she's a she's a mind reading priestess from Titan. He's a he's a nihilistic death loving you know murderer. Together they fight crime.
1: Yeah, it, it is true. Actually, my note that I had taken for this panel, um, it had, it made two points. One, you just sort of alluded to, this is the kind of panel that could only have been produced in the 70s. And the other point I made is that it's unintentionally funny to me that Moondragon and Thanos in this panel look like they're disco dancing.
0: It's like, a, <laughs> it does. That it's is, it's like really, fantastic. It's like, and it, it's like, a really bizarre version of the uh, British TV Avengers.
1: Yes, exactly. No, I swear to God, again, if this had been filmed, this whole sequence would have been, as you say, it would have been trippy, it would have been very end of 2001, and it also would have been accompanied by the most disco of soundtracks. You know it. You know that the music for this part oh, of God, the episode yeah. would have been, like, you know, Waka Waka par excellence.
0: It would have been basically... Have you seen the original version by Wes Craven of Last House on the Left? No.
1: No, I have Um, not. Not a horror movie guy,
0: me. It would have been half that That Half that movie is in a horror movie. Three-fourths of that movie is Wes Craven and his people stoned in the woods, filming the sun coming through the trees. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, I love Wes Craven. He's done some great stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of the end is pretty intense and pretty cool. But most of that movie is like, oh, my God, get to the point. It's like... Like, a lot of 70s stuff, I'm looking at it going, like, movies and TV shows, it's like, watching, it's like, you really need to be stoned to get into this.
1: Yeah, and clearly, um, I don't want to leap to any conclusions, but I think this first panel on page 17 is perhaps an excellent evidence of Starlin's enjoyment of the lysergic acid. Oh, yeah, of all the colors and the the outlines and the shapes and kind of reminds the,
0: me of, like the mod squad too.
1: Yeah, yeah, very very, you know, oh, anyway, trippy. Very very trippy. Oh, the other note I made on this page is that panel that could have been the album cover. Yes, that is an album cover. Oh my That's god. That's an album cover. Look at that, man.
0: I and I I know I wish I had a lot more money. I want to go buy these pages.
1: I know, right? Come on, this is it's some big this would is would love great to have this,
0: page. this page, but this page would have to be colored.
1: Right, you would have to get it, like, just as is, like, blown up and framed. Because the other one
0: with them fighting mm-hmm. without the panel borders, if that was mm-hmm. just, you know, ink-penciled or penciled in ink, that's fine. But this one needs the colors.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's so awesome. But, um, no, the other the, thing... He beats her ass, because yeah. ass out. So he beats her, and what I like here is... So we've got three more panels of Thanos monologuing, And, you know, sort of explaining himself to the audience, I guess, or to himself. But what I like about this, he says, This comedy of errors must end, I have set a timetable. What I like about it is he's so grouchy. Like, this is, like, one of the things that makes Thanos a little unique in the annals of supervillainy, that he's a villain who takes zero joy in what he does. Like, in a way, it's very appropriate. He's so obsessed with death. And the fact of the matter is is that all like sort of light and life and, and purpose just goes to die in his presence. And he's just grumpy and grouchy and just all about getting things done just because it's the way I want them to be. And I'm not com- saying that as a complaint. I'm saying that as that makes him very distinctive and gives him a very, very strong character. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Completely agree.
0: Although he so, does have a sense of humor occasionally.
1: Yeah, you know, occasionally
0: it pops out.
1: Yeah, it's a, um, it's not
0: a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's but,
0: it's almost like a Sheldon from Big Bang Theory sense of humor. He kind of tell you it's his sense of humor.
1: <laughs> but what? And I, if for, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last panel here on page 17 is the first time he alludes to this grand transformation that we will see soon. Yes okay so now he he sends his energy bands on page 18 he sends his energy bands and uh, Leashes he says, everybody right um, he impedes their mobility but here's what I want to know he has the cosmic cube okay so he says the most expedient way to avoid further confrontation is to impede your mobility is it though Thanos would it not have been even more expedient and a a more permanent um, solution just to kill them, or better yet, since you have the Cosmic Cube, wish them out of existence. And I'm just—I mean, not that I mean clearly—he's the villain. We do not want the villain to triumph necessarily. I'm just at this point, I'm struggling a little bit with why they are still alive if he has well, this all-powerful object in his possession.
0: The one thing that Star himself has said—it's the makeup of Thanos, which you kind of need for somebody this powerful. Because anyone else like Doc Ock or Green Goblin or even Doom—they it's their they have limits. Thanos has very few limits, especially compared to the people he's fighting. Right. So you have to give him something, because otherwise, then he could just basically just kill everybody.
1: Yeah, and he Thanos brags, is limited, Yeah, and he frankly he brags about it in this very panel, the first page on uh, the first panel of page eighteen. He says it is like having an all powerful Aladdin's lamp. Anything I wish becomes reality. Why aren't you wishing them dead then?
0: But, well, first of all, I want to say Thanos, thank you apparently for crutching it in uh, Earth terms
1: and mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. things.
0: Because I'm sure Aladdin's Lamp is not a popular bedtime story on Titan.
1: A fair point. A very fair point. <laughs> he Good did that catch. just for
0: Iron Man's benefit. Just, no one just, else.
1: Yeah.
0: He's like, hey, this is for you, Iron Man. Shout out, man. But um, basically, Thanos' prop issues is always mental. And it's, A, from what you've seen, I've seen a lot of things, it's a need for recognition. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why in Infinity Gauntlet, he has... You know, if you remember the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries, he's all-powerful. He has the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. He's doing anything he wants. He's killing half the universe with a snap of his fingers. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But he has his brother there to watch. And Mm -hmm. he has, like, the half-dead body of Nebula there. Mm -hmm. Because he needs somebody to see that knows him. Like, look how great I am. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not so much that... Like, Doom wouldn't need that. Because Doom knows how great Doom is. Yeah, You can't convince Doom... About that, Doom's not that great. Doom knows how awesome Doom is, and Doom knows what Doom needs to do, and Doom doesn't need you to be there. Doom will just kill you and do it all on his own because Doom knows. Doom. Thanos Doom. needs an audience. Thanos needs the recognition, and Thanos also going hand in hand with that. And this is definitely—I'm ninety-nine point nine percent sure this things I've read Starlin right before mm-hmm. or say before is that Thanos basically has this inferiority complex where he doesn't feel like he deserves it. So he almost always leaves some way to be
1: defeated because it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's sabotaging himself subconsciously.
0: He sabotages himself in such a way that I would go with what Isaac had said to uh, Captain Marvel earlier in the issue. There's a .04% chance of you winning. But when you are having the control and the control he knows how to have as opposed to other people of the Cosmic Cube or the Infinity Gauntlet, leaving a .04% chance is still basically you leaving the door unlocked hmm because mm-hmm. there's no reason for you to have a 004 percent chance. you should have a point zero 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 percent chance. The only reason you're having these chances is because they're leaving it for you.
1: okay, I could see that it may it gives it a little bit of psychological verisimilitude I suppose i'll I'll go with it because that's I'll why he brought it. them there.
0: He didn't just kill them before. he brought them to Titan to tell them he wanted to show them. look how great I am. look what I did to Cronus,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, no, it's awesome true. Thanos. Look at my worksheet, mighty in despair. Ooh, nicely done. What's the who's that? Blake. Uh, that poem? I think that was yeah. Osmond
0: Yeah. I think I can't remember the writer. Everyone's tied up, mm-hmm. and basically, I mean, because like you said, that's the reason what we're saying. That's the only reason why I can see that he would just tie them up like this when he literally right. uses the cube just to send Titan
1: back to I his mean, position. Really, it's funny when you put it like that. He ties them up instead of killing him. It's like for all of his power and all of his mad cosmic aspirations, sometimes it's hard to see Thanos as anything other than an old-fashioned mustache-twirling silent movie villain tying up, uh, you know, the perils of Pauline on the train In tracks. The train tracks. Yeah, so snidely whiplash, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, he is that. He's just on a much more grandiose level.
1: Right, right. But I mean, he's still that sort of petty little man after a fashion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so basically he wishes Titan back into place. And it just pop right back to where it belongs. Which, you know, lovely. Good on you. Putting, putting things back where they belong. That's, that's very, uh, civic minded of you, Thanos. Exactly. Well, you know, you take care of your environment, you know, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, think globally, act locally.
1: Yes, exactly. It's very he's a very green (laughs) supervillain.
0: Think universally, act galactically.
1: Yes. Something like that. Yes. (laughs) But um, uh, on I do have to say now I, I read page 19 and I was reminded of one of my favorite scenes in all of literature. Everyone, I think, uh, who uh, has, a, has a little... I'm going off on one of my patented tangents again. I apologize. Not on this show. No, never. Oh, no, no, no. That never happens. Everyone has a book, I think, as, as like, one of those books that they love, and they just read it over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And for me, that book is probably Foundation by Isaac Asimov. Asimov. I've read that book um More times than I can count. And possibly my favorite scene in it is um, for those who may or may not know that book is actually what they call a fix up novel. It's five shorter, like five novellas that were published independently. And then put together into a novel, but it was not like written as a novel.
0: They kind of just fit together so it works. Right, to be.
1: right. So, yeah, so like a lot of Heinlein's
0: future history that were put together in books later on when they were just separate short stories.
1: Right, exactly. So, um, so, so my, one of my favorite, favorite scenes is at the end of the second story in the book, um, where Salvor Hardin who is the mayor of Terminus City on the uh, planet of Founda- that the foundation is on? Um, has to deal with these officious jackass bureaucrats who believe all the promises that the emperor is sending his way and uh, their way and everything. So Salvador Hardin gets his hands on this treaty that the emperor has offered them that they think means that the emperor will give them everything they want, and he goes through it with this. Um, he go- he he works through it with. Symbolic logic, as he calls it, where he breaks down all everything into its component fundamental meaning and discards everything that has no meaning. And it's this wonderful thing where he goes through this whole thing and he says, and at the end, when you have boiled it down and discarded all like the, the, the cancellations and repetitions and all the things that logically make no sense, do you know what you have left in this document that the emperor sent you? Nothing. You have nothing. And the reason I bring that up is because page nineteen here in this uh, issue of Captain Marvel that we've been going through, so many words. It's such an unbelievably Starlin esque page, and it's got no less than it's got ten panels on it. It's and and there's each panel has has narration, and it's very very wordy. And when you go through it and you read it and you boil it down to its essence, all you've got here is Thanos leaves. Yeah. <laughs> And it just, everything I see that's like that puts me in mind of that great scene in Foundation. So, uh, that's, uh, hence, hence my tangent, which is now. But over. it's a
0: damn awesome exit. I
1: mean, I suppose, yes. But
0: man knows how to make an exit.
1: That's, that's true. He's, definitely he does not ninja plan. his way out of the party. No, you know? no, no. You don't no, just no. also look
0: around and go, where'd
1: come? no. No, no. 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 He, <laughs> you know. He makes sure you notice his departure.
0: Which, again, goes with what I said of, you know, Thanos likes an audience. Thanos wants to be recognized. Mm -hmm. Thanos wants you to know what he has done. Mm
1: -hmm. And what has he done? Well...
0: He has basically atomized himself, as far as I can tell. He has
1: has basically turned himself... I love this. I love this. Because, first of all, this is... I do have to hand it. For all that I I sort of mocked and belittled this page, it does have a great page turn. Because the last thing is... I'm guessing who is that, Mentor or Captain Marvel, or I think, I'm not I sure who's speaking.
0: I believe it's Captain
1: Marvel. Okay, but he says, look the view screen. And that's a good page turn. When someone, the last thing you see on a page is, look, look at that. That is some classic page turn stuff. And you turn the page and you see, and I think this is the first time we've seen it, although it was, it's something I saw a lot in Starlin's later work, is that sort of colored outline sort of dealio of Thanos' head. Yeah. Uh, But I love this because this is an amazing cliffhanger because if Thanos is God, it appears that he has actually transmogrified himself, transcombobulated himself into the very fabric of the universe. And if Thanos is God, he is literally the fabric of the universe that our heroes exist within. What conceivable chance of defeating him could our heroes have?
0: Yeah, because I mean, at the in that page before nineteen, you see that cube drops mm-hmm. to the ground, just bounces along the floor, kind of like you know, 70 year old kid who took the car out and you know had a little bit too much fun. He's just kind of like tossing the keys. It's like yeah, they're no good to anyone anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. He's like, don't need it anymore. Well, don't
1: the cube? No, because again. What we're getting back to here back to here is he doesn't he doesn't need to hold the cube anymore because now that he is the universe, the cosmic he's like cosmic cube, you are in me. That's he is a the wild. cosmic cube. He is everything. He is everything and everything's in fact our heroes now by dint of belonging to the universe that Thanos now embodies are actually part of Thanos. So in order to defeat Thanos, they must defeat themselves.
0: See now you're in the mindset.
1: Now I'm see now I'm picking up what Starlin's laying down. Yeah. But
0: I, I don't I wonder if anything has been done close to this. I mean uh, the only thing I can think of maybe be some of the stuff Kirby did. Mm hmm. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, no Kirby did. Either with his Collages or in especially with uh, new gods. Okay. I could see that, yeah. Don't forget, a lot of this of stuff is in reaction to Kirby's fourth world stuff. So,
0: And I have to go reread that. Cause, I mean, I do have most of the trades, or almost all the trades, of reprinting mm-hmm. all that fourth world stuff he did. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to remember, I think a lot of it, though, was Kirby basically taking these god complex, co- concepts and bringing them down to Earth. In a so like, ways, it would be yeah. like a small fight in the street, but would be, it would end up being like the winner would be the gemi
1: god of the universe, but it would be... A street fight. I think some in in some ways you're correct. And
0: meanwhile, um, it looks like Starlin was taking it almost like an inspiration, but going the opposite way. The opposite I'm going to make way. this as cosmic and crazy as possible, as opposed to taking the cosmic and crazy and bringing it down to Earth, where you, I believe like the ending of uh, New Gods, like the last issue or the next last issue, is like Calabac versus Dan Turpin. Just like a big brawl in the street between this cop mm-hmm. and you know, the mm-hmm. dark side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here, you know, which would not work now because now, of course, Calback is like, you know, can destroy whole planets. But back then, it was like, it still worked. No, it's, here it's, it's like the opposite. It's like I'm going to make this ish- expand it all.
1: If if we give Starlin credit for nothing else, and we. Do give Starlin credit for other stuff, so I'm saying. But if we give him credit for nothing else, we do have to give him credit for pushing story, pushing comic books, pushing mainstream superhero comics of the early '70s, in what I what I truly believe were never before seen. Um, levels of ambition and scope and scale and cosmicness.
0: Yeah, I actually so, wonder then how much of, like, I would love to talk to him to find out, like, how much was the, like, was Kirby an inspiration for this? Because actually, more I think about it, the more that makes sense because, like I said, Kirby took these big cosmic concepts and s- sucked them down, to like, this so they would be played out on these very mundane versions. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, Turpin versus Kalabak just punching each other in the street. Mm-hmm. But this is basically a guy doing something stupid mm-hmm. for love. I mean, this is the same thing as what caused Hawkeye to be a villain in the very beginning. The right, series. right. This is a guy doing something stupid for love, a very mundane concept. We all do something stupid. We've all done stupid things yes. for love yes. or lust or whatever. Yes. You know, whatever we thought it was at the time. And he's made this this huge cosmic event. You know, he's done the exact opposite. He's sucked, transformed it into this huge... Cosmic earth shat cosmic shatter, I was gonna say earth shattering, but cosmic, you know, universe shattering event. Of just here's a dude in love with this girl, or in lust of her at least, and mm-hmm. willing basically mm-hmm. just trying to impress her.
1: Yeah. That's all this is. And in that sense, really has anyone ever done a better job? <laughs> has anyone ever done anything more truly impressive to impress a girl than this?
0: Or worse job. Well can't mm-hmm. you kind of I mean maybe you just go by what works?
1: Mhm. That 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 could be, yeah.
0: I mean, if you if you just give a girl a flower and you end up getting married to her, uh, I think that worked better.
1: Okay, fair, fair. Cause
0: uh bit of a spoiler to people, but uh, Thanos ain't getting any. Ha!
1: <laughs> which is kind of weird to think about, but I'm not going to. So yeah, so there we go, Captain Marvel 31. Yes, this stuff Starlin has been trippy from the beginning, people. Yes, and and he is only He's still on the uphill slope Of trippiness Yes He loves to go crazy Go crazy or go home Go big or go home Yep So You are cordially invited to attend A podcast That observes the unfolding Events Of history With me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a 10 cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Golden Age Superman, available on iTunes and at com. Every legend
0: has a beginning. On to the Friends and Enemies section. And in case you have forgotten or it's your first time listening to an episode, uh, basically this issue, Captain Marvel 31, had a publication date of March 1974. Mm -hmm. So these are the Marvel books that had a publication date also of March 1974 that either Adam or Thanos have appeared in before. They're
1: their friends and, and uh allies, as or, it were. Or enemies, depending or on. Or enemies, as it were. So uh the first of them um, is uh the Avengers number one twenty-one, uh with which was written by Steve Englehart, art by John Buscema and Don Heck. It was titled Houses Divided Cannot Stand. Uh Taurus and the Zodiac have the Avengers between a rock and a hard place, with either their surrender or mantis' death as their only options. But can they really make such a choice? And also, well, mm, I guess they can. I, well, I don't know. I haven't read it yet, so I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Okay.
0: And next we have Daredevil, number 108, by Steve Gerber, Bob Brown, and Paul Galassi. Cry Beetle. Matt's relationship with Natasha has hit the skids due to the presence of Moondragon. Dee Dee has little time to worry, however when urgent news about Foggy brings him back to New York. Which, we actually talked about this issue at the very beginning of this episode. Oh, we did. That's where yes. Moondragon was after the last episode of yes, 007, before, before here.
1: Before Captain Marvel uh, took him off to meet his friends.
0: Even though it doesn't make sense
1: time-wise. No, no. But uh, Fantastic Four, number 144, written by Jerry Conway, art by Rich Buckler and Joe Sinnott. Uh, was titled, Attack! Uh, the Fantastic Four have escaped from Doom. Have they ever really escaped from Doom, though? I have to ask that question. They
0: always escape from Doom to go to more Doom.
1: Yes, but they're hardly out of the woods yet, because they have to cooperate with their unlikely ally, Darkoth, to finally defeat Dr. Doom. And for more on that uh particular issue, you can check out episode 173 of the awesome Fantasticast.
0: Yes. Okay, we also have The Incredible Hulk, number 173, by Roy Thomas, Herb Trimp, and Jack Abel. Any out, anybody out there remember the Cobalt Man? After a brief rampage through the streets of San Diego, the Hulk makes his way to the docks, and their cargo hold of a mysterious vessel. Above deck, the machinations of an unknown man are underway. I'm guessing that unknown man is probably the
1: Cobalt Man. This is probably around the time of the uh, issue of Hulk, that got adapted um, for uh, the issue of Hulk that had the Abomination and the Rhino in it, that got adapted for oh, the Power yes. Records. Oh, that was,
0: I think, an issue two ago, actually.
1: Okay, I loved that issue because I, yes, I listened I to that the, one. I listened the crap out of that Power Records thing when I was a kid. Yes. And it's funny, actually, because I went looking for it when I got older and I had the Internet at my disposal. The Power Records adaptation was titled The Incredible Hulk at, at Bay. Bay, but... That was, there was an issue of the, of, uh, called The Incredible Hulk at Bay. It was not that issue, however. That issue had a completely separate, uh, uh, title that I cannot remember now off the top of my head. Just a little bit of trivia for you.
0: I remember that one. I, that, I remember listening to that one a lot. That one and the, uh, Spider-Man with the Man-Wolf.
1: Which I didn't, I didn't have that one. The only, uh, Power Records, uh, I had was that Incredible Hulk one and, uh, Captain America, uh, the one where he, uh, he and the Falcon Oh, and uh, the, deal Phoenix. With the Phoenix. I had, that, I had that one, too. Yes, I love that one. The name of your destroyer is Phoenix. Same difference. They're both in Arizona. <laughs> Come on, this stuff gets embedded in your brain, you know? You remember, like, I, I, I still hear in my head Take stick out of Hulk's face or Hulk will break it. <laughs> that howl. is the cry of a man-wolf. <laughs>
0: And by the way, I wasn't planning on plugging this, but since we're talking about that, if anyone's interested on the fire and water network, you there is the Power Records podcast.
1: Oh, they have one. Oh my god, I'll have to go check that out.
0: Yes. So far there are 14 episodes cool. by Rob Kelly and Chris Franklin. Cool. Yes, which is I believe Rob Kelly, yeah, Rob Kelly is on the Fire and Water podcast and Chris Franklin is on Supermates.
1: But back to our uh, friends yes. and allies friends and enemies
0: yes uh, marvel premiere number 14 by steve englehart frank burner and dick Giordano season egg genesis huh. what if they got sega genesis from that
1: <laughs> doubtful but <laughs> that okay like
0: the strange entity season has ripped back in time with morto and strange in tow while neither has the power to confront Seasneg, each seeks to reason and influence him for their own ends This is this was a big strange issue. I remember hearing about this. I need to read it one day. But I think basically this ends up is like Snake like completely destroying
1: and restarting the universe. Oh my! I've always meant to read those uh, trippy early seventies Doctor Stranges by Engelhart and Brunner. Um, So uh, one of one of these days I'll get around to uh, reading them. I look forward to finding out exactly how that plays out. Thor, number 221, written by Jerry Conway, with art by John Buscema and Mike Esposito, was entitled Hercules Enraged. Thor invaded Olympus. Oh, Olympus. Okay, for a moment I was like, Thor has to invade No no Thor's from Asgard Thor has invaded Olympus and seeks deadly confrontation with Hercules son of Zeus what reason drives the thunder god and what good can come when these titans clash and if i had to guess i'm thinking the reason is an unpaid bar tab probably
0: and i'm also wondering if in the next issue or two we're going to have a title of thor a thor issue titled
1: when titans clash you think it's entirely possible? What well, is entirely possible?
0: The FF issue was called Attack.
1: <laughs> yes, it was. I like they, they they were hard up. You know, they'd been titling everything else very, uh, very, very uh, creatively that month. So well, I, I definitely get the take... Hulk one—a creative title. Yeah.
0: Anyone out there remember this guy?
1: Yeah, the Cobalt Man. I didn't. So, good question. You the X Men? Oh, that's possible. Yeah, anyway, like yeah. thirty or something or thirty-five.
0: This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is radio on demand. A free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. Guess what? It's feedback begging time again, where I beg you, please do something feedback-wise. What can you do? Well, you can go on iTunes and leave us a review. Preferably five stars, but I'll take anything at this point. You can also send us an email for your thoughts, criticisms, poems, whatever. Resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go visit our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. New episodes are posted up there, images from the issues we cover, and whatever random stuff I think of. You can also find similar things on our Facebook page. Just type in Resurrections into the Facebook search box, and it'll help you find it. Also, the show is on Twitter now. It has an official Twitter feed, at AdamThanosPod. Finally, if you want more of me, go look for John Wilson's show, The New 52 Adventures of Superman. I am his co-host on the Road to Rebirth episodes, where we chronicle the issues from DC's New 52 series that lead towards the rebirth that is happening right now. There's already two episodes out, go listen to them after we've finished this one. I want you all to know that I really do appreciate all of the downloads, and anyone who's ever sent an email, iTunes review, followed the show on Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr. I'm going to do my best to be sure you are all thanked at least once on the show. And to that end, here are a few more people who have liked our Facebook page. Corey Lynch, Kyle Benning, Michael Bailey, Charlie Niemeyer, Stephen White, and the irredeemable shag. Thanks, guys. All right, so that brings us to another episode. Next, ep- next episode, Brian will be back as we're going to do Captain Marvel thirty-two. Excellent. So we are getting closer and closer to the climax of the story.
1: I can't wait to see what happens next. How do you how do you defeat the entire universe? You just go ignore to play Sega Genesis. That could be. That could be. We'll find out if that is the uh, strategy our heroes take in the next episode. Yes. So come back and find out, people. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free intro music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Oh, that's, that's basically, you just gave me the op- what's going to go before the
1: opening theme song. Oh, fanta- like, fantastic. This is the opening yeah. for the episode. I was going to say, that right there is a podcast unto itself. And speaking of podcasts, unto themselves. All right. So. I believe we ended, I think the last thing we did was page 11. So yeah, I believe when we come back, we are starting on page 12. That's where I'm at. Okay, cool. That's I did solar. a
0: quick listen to the end, and it sounded like that's where we were at. Plus, when I went to reread this issue the other day, Page eleven was where it was at in my uh, digital. Was that yeah, when I day? when I
1: when I opened up my digital uh, Captain Marvel thirty one in in my uh, in my Kindle, it opened to page twelve, and so I'm like, aha, I see where it is here. Aha, aha,
0: aha.
1: All right, so back to Thanos. And Adam Warlock. Yes. Well, there's no Warlock here yet. No, but that is the podcast. Sure. You know, credit where credit is due.
0: Yeah, but right now Warlock is. Mm, doing nothing. Doing nothing. He's, he's in limbo. He wanted to go lim- fight the Man
1: Beast and they ended his book. they ah.
0: are like, and that's a wrap, everybody.
1: Because <laughs> that was before Starlin took it over, right?
0: Yeah, that was the issue eight.
1: Okay. Of the original series.
0: So we saw that, yeah, the Hulk issues would be coming out right around. The, actually, I think that first Hulk issue comes out like the same month as like Captain Marvel 33. Okay.
1: Okay. So that's cool.